Today's podcast is presented to you by Pastor Shelley Swan of Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's really funny because he, uh, Pastor Stormy had knee surgery this week, in case any of you are wondering why he's on a crutch, and he's not up here, and he's doing well. But when we started, um, when we finally got him talked into that he wasn't going to speak today, which, you know, he was going to go right at it, um, then all, the, all of us, me and Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Matt, we were all like, we want to speak, we have something in this series. And so I went out, and, uh, but ever, you know, this Freedom Series is so good. And I want to tell y'all, um, there's a lot stirring in my heart. This whole semester at our women's Bible study, we've been studying Breaking Free. And one of the main areas um, that I believe that we need to break free from is from baggage from our families. So you can see I have some visual aids up here of, of baggage, okay, um, from the past. So let me pray before we start. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to learn from your word. We want to uh, be taught from you, God, because we know that it's your word that brings life. I pray, God, that each of us would open up our hearts, God, and, and have ears to hear, God, what you would have for us to do, Lord, to walk forward in victory, Lord, for the future generations, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So one of our key scriptures is uh, Galatians 5 and verse 1. How many of you got a handout? And uh, if you didn't get one, raise your hand. I don't have one up here. Cliff, you might need to, would you hand me one? Just so I can refer, and I know Pastor Stormy needs one. So I know this is different, okay, from what he has. And there'll be a PowerPoint, so you don't have to worry that it'll have all the little things on here that you need, the blanks. Of course, this isn't all I'm going to say but I want you to be able to see it, and then you write it, and then hopefully you remember it. That's, that's the goal of this, all right? And then when you have times, maybe it's not today, but maybe next year you're going to have something with a, a family member, something that you realize, man, I, I, I need to remember what was said. What were those scriptures? And you can go back and you have this, amen? So... The first scripture we're going to turn to is Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Love the scripture. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The New Living Translation says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So Christ has already set us free. But in this journey to freedom, nothing has greater potential to weigh us down than family baggage. Amen? All the other things are good and we need freedom in those areas, but family, you can never get away from them, right? (laughs) They're always there. So family baggage. Um, And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 61. And I love this this whole part of Isaiah is um, when Isaiah the prophet wrote this, it was prophetic talking about the Savior Jesus. And I love it because in the New Testament, if you 
fast forward, when Jesus went to the temple, it said the first time he went in there, he asked for the scrolls, which they didn't have written Bibles then. It was all written on scrolls. And he asked for the scrolls. And you know the first one that he read was Isaiah chapter 61. And the first part of it goes on, you probably remember it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, you know, he's given us... Uh, I better not, uh, let me see. It says, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, proclaim the captives will be released, prisoners will be freed. Awesome stuff. Jesus read it about himself. But right under that, most of us just stop there. But right under that in verse 4 is where I want to look at today. In all these promises that Jesus, the Savior, brings, verse 4 says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That was part of the promise of the coming Savior, that he would rebuild these ruins, ruins that we all have. It said from ancient generations. Um, So let's talk about ruins for a minute. Do you have any ruins in your life that um, have been in your family line for generations? And some of these are up here. You can see I found some old baggage up here. And we've got all kinds of things, pornography, alcoholism. We've got gambling, drugs, abuse, anger, fear, prejudice, all of these things are what we consider ancient ruins. And this isn't a full list. There can be lots and lots of things passed down through families. These are the things that Christ said that he came to rebuild. Amen? These ancient ruins in our family. So when we think about ruins, famous ruins, think about some of those. Um, I looked them up on the internet and things like the Great Wall of China comes up. Things like, um, a lot of them I couldn't uh, pronounce because they're uh, in Mexico, there's, there's different things. Um, the Egyptian pyramids, um, the Colosseum in Rome, and visitors flock to go see these things. They go every year. I remember when I went to Europe um, a few years ago, I went to that Colosseum in Rome, and it's just, you're just in awe of how big it is. And then the guides were telling us stories about how they u- used it. Tourists go to see these ruins. Why do people go and see ruins? They're trying to learn something about that generation of people that built those. Unlocking a society's heritage is important to understand the development of its present inhabitants. We should all learn from the past ruins of our life as well. Amen? You ever heard about learning from the past? I used to teach history, and that was one thing. Why do we study? Because, you know, I'd get, when I taught junior high, it was like, why do we need to learn this? They were a little better in high school, but, you know, when we'd learn about World War II, why, why do we need to learn about this? So we don't go back and make those same mistakes, right? Let's learn from the past. So that's what we're going to do today. Let's learn from our past, from the ruins that we have. So on your paper, looking back at these ruins for the right reasons, with the right attitude, helps us become better equipped to look forward. 
It's going to help us to be better equipped to look forward to what God has in the future for us. See, all of us have some family ruins that only Christ can rebuild. There's things that we could never do in our own strength, our own ability to break those cycles that have been in our family. But we know the builder. Amen? I think it's so cool that what was Jesus' occupation? He had an occupation. He was a carpenter. What does a carpenter do? He builds. Jesus has come to rebuild the things that, the ruins in our life, the the brokenness um, in our life. He's come to rebuild that. A crucial reason exists for facing generational strongholds. Unless we purposely seek them, they can remain almost unrecognizable. Unless we purposely seek them, they can remain almost unrecognizable. Why? Because we grew up with them. These chains, most people would say, you have chains on. But a lot of times, if that's what we've grown up in, if that's all we know, we don't even recognize the chains that are on our life. It's all we know. You know, last week there was, they did a series in the newspaper on, um, it was on CPS and on uh, children that have been abused. And they interviewed, there was a 31-year-old lady here in Lubbock that they interviewed because she had gone into the CPS system when she was a young girl. I think she was 11 when she got taken away from her parents, and it it told her story, and it just broke my heart to hear her story. And she talked about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her parents, and she had an adopted brother, and um, it was so sad to hear, and, and they just, she said it just kept going and going for years. And CPS even came in and interviewed her and said, when her brother, they would, they would say, is everything okay? And she'd say, yeah, our home is fine. Are you, are you okay? Does anybody hurt you in your home? And she'd say, no, I'm fine. It was all she knew. And it didn't stop until her, le- her brother ended up in the hospital in a coma from the abuse. And even then, they went back and interviewed her and said, do you want to go back to your family? And she said, yes. She said, I want to go back. Well, now, when she's 31, she said, looking back, she said, that's all I knew. I didn't know what a normal family was. I didn't know that there was life that was any different from how her parents had treated her. So those chains can be so ingrained in us, we don't even realize that they're there and that we need freedom. Anything passed down to us that inhibits the full expression of freedom in Christ qualifies as bondage. So anything that's inhibiting what Christ has provided for us in his covenant, we can consider that bondage. And you may think, well, you know, I'm in fear sometimes, but I don't think that's bondage. Is it inhibiting you from walking in the freedom that Christ has uh, made for you? Are, Are one of these other things inhibiting you? Any of these ruins? So a right reason for looking back is to find areas of bondage so we can be free. That's the right reason for looking back. 
A wrong reason is to drag old skeletons out of the closet to bash our families with. And there's a fine line there in looking back and seeing, I don't want to be in this bondage anymore. It gets very sensitive. All of these things are very sensitive areas within families. In fact, a lot of times it's like an unspoken thing and you don't talk about it. And we're going to talk in a little bit about what to do about that. See, we look back to make sure that we didn't inherit any hand-me-down chains that interfere with the priceless benefits of our covenant relationship with Christ. These may be things that we've learned environmentally. Just from being in that environment, that's all we know. Did any of y'all grow up with a mom or a dad that was a yeller? They yelled. So you know what? The, The house was loud and maybe cabinet doors were slammed and things were thrown. And that when you grow up, all of a sudden you find yourself doing that because that's what you knew. That's the only example that was in front of you. So maybe it's things that you learned environmentally. Anything to which we may be genetically predisposed or any binding influence passed down to us through any other means. Those are the bondages that Christ has come to free us from. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. While we do that, I want to tell you, even Christ, the perfect man, the perfect Savior, had a blend of the positive and the negative in his lineage. You know, when it goes through in Matthew 1 and it talks about you know, this person descended, from this person descended. I mean, he's got a prostitute in his lineage who God redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. There was evil kings. There were evil kings that came, that were in his family line. And so it shows us all of us have the good, the bad, and the ugly in our families, right? No family is perfect, I want you all to say that with me. Say, no family is perfect. So if you, one of the tools of the enemy is he, he gets your eyes on some family that you see. Maybe it's our family. And I will tell you, there are no perfect families. If you're looking at the Swan family or my family that we came from, oh, they don't have any problems. They're perfect. Wrong. We all have issues in our families. There are no perfect families. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. And I always wondered about this scripture. I would read it. I I used to read a proverb. Sometimes I read one. I'll go for a period of time and I'll read a proverb every day on the day of the week. So on the 22nd day of the month, I'd read Proverbs 22. And I'd get to this and I'd think, that's good, but I don't understand how that applies to us. It says, do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. So you might think, what does that mean? Don't move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. So what are the ancient boundary stones that we have set up? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. Very famous section of scripture. Anybody tell me what's in Exodus 20? The what? 
the Ten Commandments. This is the law that God passed down to Moses on those tablets. So Exodus chapter 20, and it actually goes verses 1 through 21, uh, describes all the commandments and the different things that God says for us to do, not to do. We're just going to read the first two. So starting um, at verse 1, it says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. I love that. One way to look at the Ten Commandments is to see this is the way to get out of slavery. He rescued the, the, his people from the Egyptians through these things. These are the ancient boundary stones that he will rescue us from our place of slavery. Whatever the slavery has been, if we'll follow God's commands, he has a way to rescue us. Amen? All right. Glad y'all are excited about that. All right, verse 3. You must not have any other God but me. Verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Verse 5, you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Here's the part I want you to read. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Verse 6, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So on your handout, God's commands are the ultimate ancient boundary stones and we are not free to move them around to fit our lifestyles. We are not free to move those boundary stones around to fit whatever lifestyle that we want to live. So I want to show you this graphic. You may want to draw it out on your paper. Y'all see that well? So when we move an ancient boundary stone, when we see God's commands and we say, no, that doesn't fit me. I don't want to do that. I want to live like this. That was, that was the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to me. We have freedom. We don't have to do that. We move those boundary stones. We move it, instead of it being in that place where God put it, we move it to the place where we think it should be. We move it to the place where it feels good to us. Our consciences aren't bothered then by our sin. We move those ancient boundary stones. So when we move a boundary or our ancestors have moved a boundary, we make our own rules. Whatever fits for us, we make those rules. That in turn brings to our life bondage. And when bondage comes, you can always guarantee there's sin involved. And where there's sin, more bondage comes. And guess what? The cycle starts all over again 
in the next generation. Because again, they don't know that this boundary has been moved because this is their normal. This is what they see mama doing. This is what they saw grandpa doing. This has been passed down from grandpa to, to the son, now to the grandson. Think about um, alcoholism and how it gets passed down in the generations. So let's go back to Exodus verses 4 and 5 to see this power of generational sin in a family. Remember, he was talking about in that second commandment. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. So see, that second commandment instructs us, don't let anything else get in the way of worshiping God. What was the number one commandment? What's the first commandment? The Lord our God is one God. Do I need to get my grandson up here? You know, he knows how to do that. One, two, three, four, all that. Um. So only have one God. So nothing should get in the way of worshiping that one God. And then he addressed that in the second commandment, don't have other gods. And we may think, well, we don't have images of, you know, idols in our house. We don't have little bales. Do any of y'all ever, when I go get my nails done, sometimes I see those little um, bale, not bale, what is it? Buddha, the little Buddha, little statues. Um, I just speak the name of Jesus. But we don't have those, most of us, in our house. But we can have a lot of other things that serve as idols. We can have that TV or that computer that takes up all of our time. Again, an idol isn't necessarily something that we bow down and worship like most of us think. An idol is the thing that we're giving our time to are giving our attention to? How much time a day do we give our attention to on our phones, on Facebook, on sports, on um, whatever it is? There can be lots of things that we get, uh, that we put in the place of God in our lives. And this second commandment is warning us against that. Keeping God, it's telling us keep God first place in our lives. When we don't do that, we move a boundary. When we don't keep God first, the boundary gets moved in our life. And guess what? We open a door for sin in our family. When we move boundaries, last week, Pastor had a door up here, and he showed us how when sin comes, we, sometimes we open the door. Say, go ahead and come in. By what we do, by moving the ancient boundary stone, we open a door for sin in our lives. 
Now I want to uh, look at the wording in the, new te- the, in the Bible there. In the New Living it said, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. The NIV says, punishing the sins. The King James Version says, visiting the sins of the parents upon their children. And I will just tell you, I've had a really hard time with this scripture. When I would read that, I've heard Pastor Stormy preach it, and I've thought, I don't like that, right? Because that doesn't sound like God's character, does it? We, have, we serve a loving God, a just God. So how is that right that he is laying these sins upon the children that they have no choice about? Well, you know what? Things are translated. The Bible wasn't written in English. It was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So the Hebrew word for that they use here is, and I put it up here because I probably can't say it right, Paquad, P-A-Q-A-D-H, and some of its meanings are inspect, review, number, to be deposited, to visit in the sense of making a call. It was also the word used in taking a census. So I'm just going to lay something out here for you right now. God does not punish children for their parents' sins. Because we know his character is always love and he's always just. But, and I want to prove this to you, let's go a few books um, forward and let's look at Ezekiel chapter 18. So there must be a little bit different meaning to that scripture there than what we have translated it, that God is putting all these sins, and he says, I'm going to punish this innocent child for this. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 18, and I would encourage you to read this whole chapter. We studied this in our Breaking Free, and it was very good. It goes through and talks about if there's a wicked parent and there's a good child, that what happens, or if there's a bad child and a good parent, what happens? And it talks about this generational sin that we're dealing with today. So we're going to read verses 19 through 22 of Ezekiel chapter 18. And it says, what, you ask, doesn't the child pay for the parent's sins? No, for if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. There's redemption right there. Amen. We can turn from our sin. All their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things that they've done. So if we go back to that, that section in Exodus about God punishing the children for the sins of the fathers, I think this is what I think. I think God's saying 
that he could go back, remember the word, the meaning of that word, paquad, to, to review, to visit upon, to take a census. I think he's saying if he could go back three and four generations, which is what it says, he said he, those sins are visited to the third and the fourth generation. I think what God is, is saying is that he, if he took a census of these sins in a family, he could see it move from generation to generation, three and four times. He can count those who've been adversely affected by the sins of their parents or their grandparents. Why? Because a door had been opened, a boundary stone had been moved, and God could go back and count. This sin happened, and now it's being visited on the next generation, the third generation, down to the fourth generation. See, it's like if a pollster called, if someone taking a poll um, called your house and they were going to take a census of the number of alcoholics in three generations of an alcoholic father's family, the head count would likely be very high. Why? Because alcoholism had been deposited in that family. It was in that family line. That boundary stone had been moved. And it started this generational cycle of sin, of bondage. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to, but most likely it's going to be somewhere in there and people are going to have to deal with that. Alcoholism came calling to the next generations and a lot of those children and grandchildren answered that door. So parents, grandparents, you need to be careful because sins of the parents and grandparents add up in the next generations. And that is very, very sobering for those of us with children and those of us with grandchildren. And you can bet that they're watching you. I mean, I don't care what it is. Cade follows Stormy around. He loves me and he comes and hugs me. But he follows Stormy. He's always watching him. Always looking. Why do you do that? What is this? Those generations are watching what we do. And when we open those doors, when we move the boundaries to fit whatever lifestyle we want to live, we are opening a door to sin in our children and our grandchildren's lives, and it adds up. The good news, only Christ can set us free. All other gods, anything else, only enslaves. Therefore, enslaved parents teach their children how to live in bondage, even with the best intentions of not doing so. So if you're enslaved, you may say, well, I don't want my kids to walk this way. I mean, sometimes they may have a problem with drugs and that the last thing they want is for that child to be addicted to drugs. But that's all they know. They don't know how to teach them any different until Christ comes to set them free. I want to read a story to you um, from the late Gilda Radner. Uh, and it's this, listen to the story. 
It says, when I was little, my nurse Dibby's cousin had a dog, just a mutt, and the dog was pregnant. I don't know how long dogs are pregnant, but she was due to have her puppies in about a week. She was out in the yard one day and in the way, um, and the lawnmower um, cut off her back two hind legs. She got in the way of the lawnmower. They rushed her to the vet, and he said, I can sew her up, or you can put her to sleep if you want, but the puppies are okay. She'll be able to deliver the puppies. Dibby's cousin said, keep her alive. So the vet sewed up her backside, and over the next week, the dog learned to walk. She didn't spend any time worrying. She just learned to walk by taking two steps to the front and flipping up her backside and taking two steps and flipping up her backside again. She gave birth to six little puppies, all in perfect health. She nursed them and then weaned them. And when they learned to walk, they all walked like her. That's the power of what we pass down to the generations. Many of us are limping through life because of some family baggage that was handed down to us. And we must resolve to get ourselves healed so our precious pups don't grow up and walk like us. Many of us have been victims. It breaks my heart when I hear the numbers of men and women who've been abused in some way. And they have been victims. And you know what? If they don't let God come in and heal that part in their life, the generations that are going to follow are going to grow up as victims as well. Because again, it's not that we intentionally teach these things. It's that they, this boundary stone has been moved and this cycle follows. It continues on. So to break free from our family baggage, we're going to need a couple of things. So here's the three things I want you to think about. We're getting to the end today. First thing is forgiveness. We're going to need forgiveness to free ourselves from our family baggage. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Very famous section of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. This is right after Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. So this is what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We all know that. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 14. Sometimes we like to cut it off there and not read. 14 and 15. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Notice it doesn't say forgive them. He says, if you forgive, then he forgives you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive 
your sins. You are blocking forgiveness coming into your own life when you do not forgive others. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. Again, we love to read Mark eleven twenty four. It's a great positive scripture. It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Yay! We can pray for anything. We can believe we receive it. It's going to be ours. But look at what's attached to that in verse 25. But when you are praying, first Forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Remember, forgiveness is not for their benefit. The person who's hurt you, the person in your family line who moved the boundary stone, it's not for their benefit. It's for your benefit when you forgive. And it's not saying that what they did in the past was right in any way, shape, or form. You're not saying, well, I'm going to forgive you, so, you know, the way you hurt me is okay. That's not it at all. It's just deciding that it's not going to have power in your life anymore. Forgiveness is releasing that poison, that hurt, all that bitterness in you, is releasing it out of your life. What they do with it is their deal. They're going to stand before God one day and have to account for that. But as for you, you need to forgive to get that out of your life. So number one thing we have to do is forgive. A lot of us, we have to forgive that the generations before us opened a lot of doors. And we can't go back and change the past but we can start a new today, a new generation of people. And it starts with forgiveness, number one. Number two, the second thing you're going to need to walk out this freedom trail that we have is courage. Courage to believe we can be different. That's first kind of courage. We have to believe that we can be different. See, Sometimes we feel like we'll never be free from these chains because they're not really even on us, they're in us. These things, we think they're so strong in us. So we have to have courage to believe we can be different. The rest of our family may all be like this, but we can be different. Courage to be misunderstood. Any of you all ever been misunderstood by your family? Yeah, here's the things. They may call you a traitor. Sometimes there's family secrets. And it's pretty much known, you do not go there. You do not talk about that. Beth Moore talks about, um, in Breaking Free, she uh, was sexually abused as a child. And she was the one in her family that came out and said, This happened, and it shouldn't have happened. And her mother never forgave her. From that point on, her mother never told her, I love you. Even when her mother was laying in the bed and dying, she would not say, 
I love you. Sometimes we'll be viewed as traitors, but we must have courage to be different. We can also be viewed as saviors. I don't know about you guys. Have any of y'all been like first-generation people in your family and you get saved, but then it's like your mom or your aunt or your uncle, they're like, you need to call your brother. You need to call your sister. You need to go and deal with them because they have all these problems and you need to help them. Listen, we cannot save another soul. Only Jesus can do that. All we can do is live a life so free that they'll want to crawl out of that pit that they're in because they see you living this way. Or we can be viewed as fanatics. <laughs> Anybody ever said, what do they teach you in that church of yours? Are, they, are you a fanatic? We can be viewed that way. Joshua 1.9 from the New Living Translation says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So be courageous to change. You can make a difference in your family. And the last thing we need, if we're going to break free from our family baggage, is we need faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, very famous scripture, says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Don't think the devil's going to stand by and applaud when you start changing and say, oh, yay, look, they're breaking free from pornography. Yay, a generation is going to be changed now from now on. He's not going to stand there. You know what he's going to do? He's going to do everything in his power to stop you. Everything he can. But remember, greater is he that's in us, Christ, than anything else in the world. We have victory. But so many times, this is what we think. We think, well, we say, okay, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be courageous. God's going to change my family. And then it gets hard. And we're like, God, where are you? Look at this graphic. Anytime you're trying to change, this is how it's going to look. Yes, it's going to be hard. And then guess what? It's going to do. It's going to get harder. Have y'all ever given your testimony? When you give your testimony, what happens usually the next day? You get a big attack on you, Right? The devil goes to fight you. So it goes from hard to hardest. Don't give up. God is working. Don't throw away your faith. Then it gets easier when you stand, when you trust, when you have faith that God is working and changing my family. Then it gets easier and God brings the victory. See, we must keep our faith and trust that God is not just saving us, but delivering us from the things holding us back from our past. Amen. Our worship team is going to come out. And we're going to give God an opportunity to do some work in our lives. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.